now? Can you hear me now? Check, check. Testing one, two. Bring it up. Uh, go ahead and bring that volume up. Make sure it's flashing right up almost to the yellow. Check, check, check. Slide the slide up. On the No, on the volume here, on the pulpit. Jonathan, you got it? All right, we're good? All right. So, yeah, some people were telling us the other day they couldn't hear Sunday. It was The volume was too low. So, All right. So, anyway, well, they missed our joke, so we'll have to leave that for next week. But, anyway, so good to see everybody here tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll ask for the Lord's blessing on the service tonight. And uh, do keep in prayer Miss um, June Bolin and uh, some of the others we've mentioned here. Linda Craig, I talked to her today. She's doing much better. Um, Brother Bob Schwabert and his family. Miss um, Laverne, continue to pray for her, if you will, and Miss Sarah Harris, and uh, also for the building to sell uh, for the Beacon Baptist folks. Uh, are there any other requests we need to take before we go to the Lord in prayer? Okay, all right. Okay, so Jacob Reynolds. All right, so pray for him. Very sick right now, and um, and then pray for uh, pray for our country and the uh, things that are going on here. And um, God is still in control. Certainly, no need to fret, no need to be afraid. Uh, but certainly, we want to be careful. And so, uh, anyway, we want to be praying about that as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, we're thankful for the privilege to be here tonight to spend some time around Your Word. And, Lord, may you use it to encourage and strengthen us. And, Lord, as we think of these folks that have been mentioned tonight, uh, some that need physical healing, um, others that need some strength and comfort and grace during this time. And, Lord, we do pray that you would be very near to each of them. We do pray for uh, the building that the folks over at Beacon have to sell and pray that you would uh, allow that to, uh, to go through. There would be someone to come along that would be the right buyer for that and that that would uh, be a burden lifted off of them. And then uh, we do pray that you'll bless uh, the services here tonight, speak to our hearts, and encourage us through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to be in Psalm 5 tonight. If you would like to take your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And while you're doing that, just let me mention this, that we are working on, and it looks like it'll probably work out, um, we are working on a way... For Sunday, if you would like to come to church, uh, we're not going to meet in the auditorium, but if you'd like to come and park in the parking lot with your cars, uh, we'll let you do that. I know a lot of you have been saying, boy, you just missed being here, being on the property. Still not quite the same, but uh, we've got an FM transmitter that we've got now where you can, uh, we can broadcast it out into the, uh, out into the parking lot. And you can tune in and listen there. So uh, we're making that available for some of our folks that would like to come. I know several have been saying, well, we've wondered whether we should come or not, um, that we're making that available. And so that's going to be a possibility there if you'd like to do that. And uh, so we will have church here uh, as usual on Sunday. And want to encourage you to, if you're not going to do that, certainly uh, tune into the live stream because we'll have that going uh, as well. And pray that God will use that. I want to speak tonight on the subject of joy. We've taken a couple of weeks off from uh, doing our study on the King James Bible and uh, leading Mormons to the Lord uh, as we are um, uh, kind of going through this uh, coronavirus. There's some people that don't have 
internet access, I'm sure, are going to want to be here for some of those lessons, so we're kind of uh, putting some things in between here. And uh, I want to speak on the subject of joy tonight, and, and the reason for this, I've mentioned it several times, but uh, I want to do uh, a message on it tonight. Brother Harold uh, wanted me to have three points this evening, right? Uh, two points, just down to two points. So after he called this afternoon and asked for that, uh, I went and added several more. We have 16 points tonight, Brother Harold. So, <laughs> and uh, we were joking about that earlier, seriously. Um, but um, the, the word joy is used in Scripture 155 times. And there's some other variations of it. If you take all of them together, there's 187 verses uh, that have uh, the word joy or joyful. Uh, something to that extent. And uh, many, many times throughout Scripture, you'll find that joy is tied to um, and is the, the, the gift that God gives us uh, to help us with times of trial or valleys. Uh, many times you'll find that joy is for the valley. And uh, so I want to give us some things tonight. Look with me in Psalm 5, and we'll begin in verse number 11. <clears throat> the psalmist writes, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice... Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Uh, and we live in a day where uh, there's a false joy that is presented by the world, isn't there? Uh, false happiness, a false sense of uh, things are A-OK -okay and things are right and things are good. But you know, there's a difference between the real joy that Christ gives and the, the fake joy, if you will, uh, you know, we've heard the term fake news a lot lately, uh, fake, noise, uh, fake joy that uh, many times this world has. And, and so we find here that the, the joy that is the real joy the Bible speaks of is something that the upright uh, uh, rejoice in, those that trust in the Lord. And then I want you to look over at, uh, in the book of um, Job with me, if you will, in uh, chapter 20. Job chapter 20. And uh, we'll look at verse number 5 together, Job chapter 20, and um, verse number 5. Let's back up verse number, we'll start in verse number 1 and we'll come into verse 5. Then answered Zophar the Namathite, uh, and said, Therefore do my thoughts cause me to answer, and for this I make haste. I have heard the check of, thy, of my reproach, and the spirit of my understanding causeth me to answer. Knowest thou not this of old, since man was placed upon earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite but for a moment? And while he's being critical of Job, he does make a truthful statement here. And that is that there is a joy that is not a real or a sincere joy that stems from the things of the Lord, but there is a hypocritical joy, a joy that comes, uh, that is manufactured. And that's the joy that the world has. And uh, the, fa the fact that uh, this, this hypocritical joy, this joy that the world tries to portray, is something that is very brief. Uh, it passes away. And when it's gone, there's an emptiness there. And so uh, we certainly find the difference. Uh, we see, see a contrast here between a hypocritical joy and then what we're going to look at tonight regarding uh, the joy that comes from God. And so we're going to look at a lot of things. Keep your Bibles handy here. And I want us to find all of the ways tonight, we're going to spend some time on this this evening, to find all of the ways that I could find in, in Scripture. There may be a few that I've missed. But all the ways that we can have the joy of the Lord. You know, the Bible says, and Jeremiah said it this way, the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
And uh, that's, that's what keeps us going in the Christian life. That's what allows us that when we're in the middle of a coronavirus crisis, uh, yes, we're concerned. Yes, we're taking some uh, precautions. But really, as a Christian, we have great joy. Because whether by life or by death, God will deliver us. And to be absent from the body, my son and I were talking last night. We went over to the airport and watched as the moon came up. We wanted to see this largest moon of 2020. We watched it. Boy, it was beautiful. came up over the cliff. And on the way home, we got talking about just how big and how good God is and everything. We got to talking about heaven. And he was asking a bunch of questions about eternity. And, man, by the time we got home, I was, I was excited. I'm telling you. We were just going on and on about that. But, you know, a Christian has only eternity to look forward to. And he said, you know, Dad, uh, we were talking about uh, being, uh, having incorruptible bodies. And he said, so, uh, so he said, so we as Christians, we're going to be immortal then, right? We're going to live forever. And I said, well, really, everybody is going to live forever, whether they're saved or whether they're lost. The problem is, where are they going to live? Because the truth is, even a lost person will exist somewhere for eternity. And I think sometimes we fail to think that or to, to, to understand that. But as a Christian, we have all of eternity. We were, we were talking about eternity. How do, you, how do you even describe eternity? How do you understand eternity? And he's like, Dad, if, if God has always been, he was never created, how does that work, he said. <laughs> and I was like, well, Jonathan, it's hard to explain because we don't understand eternity yet, but we will one day. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to going to heaven. And uh, we're, there's a great, great joy in that. We're going to talk about that here in just a few moments. But keep your Bibles handy. I want us to look at quite a few passages of Scripture tonight. What is it that brings joy to the Christian life? The first one we're going to find in the uh, book of Psalms also in chapter 51, the 51st Psalm, if you will, and uh, verse number 12, Psalm 51, verse number 12. The psalmist writes this, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. And the first place that we find joy is in the salvation that God gives to us freely. If we don't know Christ, then we don't know joy. If we don't have Him as our personal Savior, then at best we have that hypocritical joy. The one that's going to pass away. The one that's not going to stand the test of time. It's not going to stand during the heat and the trials. It's going to be the joy that passes away and, uh, and leaves an emptiness there and a void. But when we have the joy of the Lord, and understand this, that the very first thing that has to happen for us to experience that is we've got to trust Christ as our Savior. And notice it's not our salvation. For years I misquoted this verse. I would always quote, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. It's not my salvation. I didn't earn it. I didn't make myself saved. God did, and He gave it to me freely by His grace. It's His salvation. He saved my soul. He's the one that, that got me saved. He's the one that's going to keep me saved uh, by His grace, and I thank the Lord for that. And the only thing I had to do, I didn't have to earn it. I didn't have to work for it. I didn't have to try to uh, live the very best that I could. I just simply had to trust Him. I had to put my faith in His shed blood on Calvary. Now think about this. I read this this week, and I wish I could remember where I read it, and I was reading several uh, sources and, and the fellow that was writing made this statement. I'd never thought this thought before. He said, if the Lord Jesus Christ, when the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth, he lived a sinless and a perfect life. Not one time did he sin. He didn't even tell a white lie. And do you know that for our sins, even a perfect life 
had to stand the judgment of God upon him to pay for that sin. He stood in our place. And if he with a perfect life could not get God's justice to be excused, then how do we think that we could ever get God's justice to be excused with an imperfect life? I'm thankful that he came and he paid that sin debt for us, that horrible, horrible debt. And he offered it freely to us as a free gift. Oh, man, what an amazing thing. If that doesn't bring joy to somebody's heart, I don't know what will. I'm telling you, to, to realize, and I, Jonathan and I, we were talking last night about it. We talked about the rich man who died over 2,000 years ago now. The Bible says in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments. And I said, you know, for 2,000 years now he's been in torment. And I made this statement. I said, and he will be for eternity. And Jonathan said, wow, Dad, that's a long, long time. When we look at the salvation that God brings... Can I tell you this, that when we look at the alternative, there's great joy in that, isn't there? The joy that we get from, from salvation, from God's salvation, is the seed, it's the thing that's planted in our hearts that brings joy that even through the valleys and even through the sorrows and even through the times where perhaps we go through discouragement, we go through sorrow, we shed tears, we can still have joy. And by the way, there is a difference, isn't there? You can almost watch on a Christian's face, even in times of sorrow, perhaps they lose a family member or a loved one that's very near to them in death. And you can even see through the tears, the smile. You can see the joy, the brightness in their eyes. As even though we're sorrowing in the loss of our loved one, we're rejoicing that they are in heaven and the joy that that brings. The second thing that we find is we find that there is joy in faithful service. Look with me in Matthew chapter number 25. Matthew chapter 25. I really do have, uh, I think it's 16 of these, so we're going to go rather quickly. So keep your Bibles handy. We won't be as long on each one of these. There is joy in faithful service. Look with me in Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 21. Come on back up. Uh, this is the parable of the, uh, the talents. And verse number 20, let's back up to there. And so he that received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me. Five talents, behold, I have gained five, beside them five more, five talents more. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. We know the, the third one that uh, went and hid it and didn't get that, uh, that great praise from his Lord and his Master. But there's one thing that I look at when I read this that to me is, a, is, is cause for me to rejoice. And that is that the reward that God gives here, the joy, excuse me, that God gives here in serving him is the same and it is not related to how much fruit they bore but how faithfully they served their master. Their joy was the same. They were both given this wonderful joy of their Lord. And I'll tell you, there are sometimes I look at uh, other pastors and some pastor large churches and some pastor churches about like ours and some pastor churches that are even smaller. And can I tell you this, that one day, if they've remained faithful, they're going to hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And faithful service will bring God's joy to our lives. And can I tell you this? It's not the, it's not the joy that passeth away. It's not the temporal. It's not the hypocritical joy that was spoken of in Job. But this is that real joy, the joy that we can uh, have in our lives that is authentic and real. The next one is reading God's Word brings joy. Did you know that? I love in Psalm 1 that uh, the psalmist talks about his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. But look with me, if you will, in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and this is a rather lengthy chapter. We're not going to read it in its entirety tonight, um, although I did think about that. But I'll tell you this. If you've never sat and read Psalm 119 in one sitting, carefully and thoughtfully, Boy, what a blessing it is. It is a phenomenal blessing. But I want us to look at several verses here. Look with me in verse 11. Thy word, the Bible says, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. I'm sorry, uh, give me just a minute. Back up just a minute. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wonder from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes with my lips. Have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth? I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Verse number 16, I will delight myself in thy statutes. Verse number 20, my soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Verse number 24, thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Verse number 47, And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Verse number 48, My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. I will meditate in thy statutes. Verse number 92, <coughs> Unless thy law had been my delights, I should, have, uh, should then have perished in mine affliction. Verse number 97, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 1, verse 103, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. 113, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Verse 119, Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross, therefore I love thy testimonies. Verse 127, Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Verse 140, Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Verse 143, Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delights. And we could go on and on and on throughout the book of Psalms, and throughout the Scriptures, as we find that the, the delights of our heart, the thing that brings joy to our lives, is God's Word. How often have we come to God's Word in depression and, and sadness and sorrow? And before we were done reading, the joy that sprang up in our hearts as we read about the God that we serve and His faithfulness. We read about the promises that He gives to us. We read about His, His watch care over us. The fact that He is our fortress and, and our high tower, our buckler and our shield. We could go on and on and on, and the songwriter talked about the time uh, that if we could think the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made, where every stalk on earth the quill and every man is scribed by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry. 
We come to God's Word, and, and even though the, the, the songwriter was so eloquent and so uh, picturesque in his language about the love of God, can I tell you this, that he does not even begin to scratch the surface of the magnitude of our God. We become uh, enamored with God's Word, and it becomes our delight. It's the thing that we love. It's the thing that we cherish. It's the thing that we hold most precious and most dear to us. You know, the Bible says this, that He has exalted His Word above His own name. Oh, that we would love and cherish the Word of God. You're lacking joy in the Christian life? Saturate yourself with God's Word. I've found this, that the more we put our minds on God's Word, the more we are enraptured with Him. And the joy just seems to come out. Look with me, if you will, Luke chapter number 15. We'll go on to our next one. We may not get through all these tonight. Luke chapter number 15, although y'all don't really have anywhere to go tonight, do you? We might as well. Did they pull over there, park a while? <laughs> Luke chapter 15, verse number 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Can I tell you this? There is such joy in leading someone to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And watching as He miraculously changes the heart and transforms them from the inside out. To take someone by the hand and guide them to the feet of our Savior. Can I tell you this, when you lead a soul to Christ, there is great joy. I'm not talking about just in our hearts, but there's joy all through heaven. The angels rejoice. God rejoices. And there is joy in winning people to Christ. Can I tell you this, in John chapter number 16, we find that there is joy in answered prayer. How oftentimes we have seen God answer miraculously and supernaturally and have enjoyed the, the, the glory that has been brought to Him through a prayer that was answered in such a way that there was no explaining other than God did it. John chapter number 16 and verse number 24, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name, Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. You know, when we pray and God answers that prayer, there is a joy in answered prayer. I'll tell you this, I, I think that the reason we don't have more joy from answered prayer is because we don't pray enough. We don't bring as many things to Him in prayer that we ought to. You know how many things that, that we, uh, we handle ourselves the Bible tells us we're casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Uh, the idea that we're to come unto Him, uh, 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 all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And, and the idea that we're to take our burdens, the things that, that have, that have uh, brought sorrow and sadness into our lives, and we're to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ and lay them at His feet and let Him deal with them. They're His problems. And oh, what a joy there is in that. I mean, there is a peace and a delight that passes all understanding when we have prayers that are answered, when God takes and lifts the burden and the cares of our life. Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8. Verse number 1. I love this one. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. 
As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women, committing them, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, watch this, preaching the word. You remember Jesus when he ascended, he told folks, he said, I want you to go into the highway, or he said, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then they all went to Jerusalem and they all enjoyed the wonderful moving of the Holy Spirit and watching God's work in the church. And they all just stayed right there. And so God allowed persecution to come so that they would be scattered. And when they were scattered, in verse number 4, the Bible says they went abroad, they that went abroad went everywhere preaching the Word. Man, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get back to that mindset? That when we go out into this world, no matter where it is that God puts us, we go everywhere preaching the Word. I'm talking about men, women, and children. I'm talking about declaring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was talking to a couple preacher friends of mine this week, and it's amazing how much of an awakening we're beginning to see in our nation turning back to God over some things. I know that the, that the devil's still fighting, and there are still people out there that are mad as hornets at some of the things that are going on. But can I tell you this, that I have watched in the last few weeks people that were away from God begin to pray and cry out to Him, begin to, to, to uh, tune in to uh, church services. I was so excited a few weeks ago when we tried to live stream the first week and everything crashed. And you say, Brother Greg, why were you excited about that? Because it crashed all over the country. There were so many people trying to tune in to listen to preaching. Can I tell you this? The preaching of the, God, of the, of the, of the, the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto them which believe, it is the power of God. It's the thing that brings joy. And they go everywhere preaching the Word. Notice this, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people, with one accord, gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed. And notice verse 8. And there was great joy in that city. Can I tell you there's joy in the preaching of God's Word, both in declaring it and in hearing it. It's amazing that the Bible says in the book of Romans that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And oh, the joy that comes in preaching. I'll tell you, when my batteries get low spiritually, when I get to a place where I feel like I am drained and it feels like the cares of, of people and the cares of this world have so uh, burdened me and, and caused me to, to uh, falter and stumble in, in spiritual weakness, I, I have to run to some preaching. I, I need some men of God to encourage and edify me in God's Word. And there's a great joy in the preaching of God's Word. I want you to notice also in the book of Acts, over just a few chapters in Acts chapter number 15. <coughs> Acts chapter number 15, and verse number 3. Let's, back, let's start in verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea uh, taught the brethren, and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy unto all the brethren. 
Can I tell you this? When you begin sharing with others what God is doing in your life, and men begin to see God's hand at work, the Bible says that we are to be declaring the works of God to the next generation. I firmly believe that one of the reasons that young people, as they get up and, and old enough to leave home, are dropping out of church and becoming detached from the things of God is because they, there's been a failure on the part of their parents to, to express to them uh, the, the idea that God is at work in their life. How oftentimes we as parents, uh, God does something in our life and we never tell our kids. Or if we tell them about it, we don't give credit to God for doing it. Oh, how many times that something happens in my, my life or my family and I'll be uh, talking to my kids and I'll say, Boy, God sure is good. Because I want to make sure they know and they understand that this didn't just happen by circumstance. And this didn't just happen because Dad worked hard to make it resolve. But God did something amazing here. My children need to see God at work in my life. It's amazing that when you read the story of the children of Israel, that the Bible says there was a generation that rose after them that knew not God nor His marvelous works. You know, there's a great joy in sharing with one another what God is doing for you. You know, if, if, we, if we got a phone call today from a lawyer... Well, that'd be a terrible thing, wouldn't it? <laughs> Let's say it was a good lawyer. And he said, you know what? Uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you had a long-lost relative. And he was very, very wealthy that passed away. And you're the sole heir. And you inherit all of his fortune. And uh, by the way, I'll drop by at 5 o'clock and bring the check to you. I dare say most of us would pick up the phone and start calling our friends and our family and our neighbors and say, man, you won't believe what happened. We start sharing. We post it on Facebook. We we Twitter it all over the place. We put up signs. We rent us a blimp because we could afford to, and drop pamphlets all over town, telling people, "Boy, look at what look at what happened in my life." Can I tell you this? People need to see God working in our lives. It's far better than any inheritance we could ever get, and it helps to bring joy not only to our hearts but to the hearts of others. Here, Paul and Barnabas are sharing with the churches as they're passing through. They're declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. And notice the Bible says, And they caused great joy unto all the brethren. Man, when we see God at work, somebody comes and tells me something uh, and says, Boy, God has done this in my life. There's joy in that. There's joy in that. There's joy next in uh, Acts chapter 20. There's joy in perseverance. Look with me in Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 24. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 24. <clears throat> I'm going to back up. Uh, no, we'll just, we'll just start at verse 24. You can take time to read from verse 17 down if you'd like to later. But for sake of time, we'll get right to the point. This is not out of context. But none of these things move me, speaking of uh, problems that he had gone through, None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. didn't matter what burdens, what trials came. And by the way, if ever any man understood burdens and trials in serving God, I think we'd have to agree that the Apostle Paul certainly understood trials and burdens in serving God. He was stoned to the point of death. In fact, some people believe that he actually did die even at that point, and God brought him back. He was shipwrecked. He was in famine and peril and cold and nakedness. 
And yet he said this in verse number 24, Yet neither count I my life dear unto me, so that I might finish my course with joy. Can I tell you this? There is a joy that comes from persevering. A joy that comes from being steadfast in the face of trials. And that joy comes in understanding and realizing that God has strengthened us for the task. There's joy in perseverance. There's joy in encouragement. Notice in 2 Corinthians, if you will, 2 Corinthians chapter number 7 and verse number 13. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse number 13. Therefore we were comforted in your comfort. Yea, and exceedingly the more joyed uh, we for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you all. You know that Titus received joy when people showed their kindness to him and uplifted him and encouraged him. You want to bring joy to somebody's heart? Encourage them. Offer a word of encouragement. Come along and, and refresh their soul. Be a blessing to them. We live in a day where it seems like so oftentimes when, when Christians begin to falter and stumble, and usually it's because they're weary in the way. Usually it's because they've been through unusual amounts of Satan just attacking their lives and wearing them down. And it brings them to the point where they begin to falter and their spiritual temperature begins to wane and it gets cold and the tank begins to start draining and becoming empty. Can I tell you this, that it's during those times that just a little bit of encouragement goes a long, long way to bring joy back into the heart, to have their soul refreshed. We live in a day where it seems like when that happens, we are the first ones to begin talking and whispering, boy, look at brother so-and-so, look at sister so-and-so. They're, they're, they're not in church the way they used to be. Boy, there's just something different about them. They don't smile like they used to. And, and we're, we're good to point it out. We're slow to come to them and encourage them. And I tell you this, there was a time in my life, there have been several times in my life, that I would have given anything for someone to come and share a kind word. The truth is, I think if we all think back through our lives, we can all find something along the way. Men are the worst at this because we like to think we're tough, right? We don't need those things. But you know the truth is, even if men will look, they'll find that there are times that, boy, they sure could have used a little encouragement. Just a kind word, something to lift us up, something to keep us going. And here are these people, these, these blessed folks, refreshed Titus's spirit. And Paul joyed in it, and Titus joyed in it. There was great joy and encouragement. Galatians chapter number 5, if you will. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22. Very familiar passage of Scripture, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Second one on the list. Can I tell you this, that joy comes from following and yielding to the Holy Spirit. There's a joy that comes when we are submitted to Him where His fruit is able to be produced in us. There's a great joy in that. Can I tell you, the alternative to that is as we depart from the Holy Spirit, that joy leaves. We begin to have that joy taken away from us. 
There's joy that comes from submitting and yielding ourselves and, and getting to the place where we are sensitive to His guidance in our life. Look with me, if you will, in Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4. Therefore, verse number 1, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Can I tell you this, that there is a joy in Christian fellowship. These were the folks that Paul had won to the Lord. In fact, this was the very first church that he planted when he obeyed the Macedonian call in the church at Philippi. The Philippian church was the only church that we find in our Scriptures that Paul does not have to correct for anything. He gives them encouragement. He gives them some words of warning of things to watch out for, but he doesn't have to correct anything in the church at Philippi. And he makes this statement about him in verse number 1. He says, My brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. He said, You know what my joy is? You folks. You know, we've missed the last two or three weeks here being together as a church. I've missed it. I, I made an effort today to try to call a lot of the folks in our church. Over the last few days, I've called different people that I've not been in touch with as much as others. And can I tell you this, almost without exception, I heard them say, Boy, I sure miss being there. I sure miss. Oh, I'll be glad when we can get back together. You know why? Because there's joy in Christian fellowship. There's something about it. There's something, isn't it, isn't it amazing? It's almost like God knew that we were going to need fellowship when He said, I will build my church. And He allows us to meet together as a church and as a body of believers. And one of those great reasons for that is for fellowship. Because it brings great joy to us. The next one we find is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. And we're almost done. Hang in there with me. We're, we're, we're circling the airport about to bring it in for a landing here. Hebrews chapter 12, Wherefore, verse number 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Can I tell you this? That there is great joy when we consider eternity. There is great joy when we consider eternity. What caused the Lord Jesus Christ to have this great joy, this joy that was set before Him, to see that there were going to be those that were lost, that were going to trust Him as their Savior, that He would have all of eternity to spend with those that He loves. Brought great joy to Him, so much so that He was willing to endure the cross. What an amazing thought. You know, there's a joy that is the genuine joy that comes from God that will allow us to endure things that many people look at and say, I don't know how you got through that. We look at this joy that the Lord Jesus Christ had that allowed Him to endure the cross. I can think of no greater thing that would have to be endured in this life than what He faced. And yet it was joy that saw Him through it. Can I tell you this, when we have the right kind of joy, not the hypocritical joy, not the joy that the world tries to throw at us, but when we have a God-given joy, it's one that will sustain us no matter what comes our way. James chapter number 1, if you will. 
verse number 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Can I tell you this, that there is joy in the testing and the trying of God. There are times that God brings us through trials for no other reason than to test and strengthen our faith, to allow patience to have her perfect work. Can I tell you this? There's joy in it. You say, Brother Greg, how can there be joy in testing? I mean, that valley I'm going through, I'm not really jumping up and down and being all excited about it. No, but we can be excited about this, that we know what the end result is going to be. It's going to be the perfecting of our patience. It's going to be the allowing us to, letting patience have our perfect work, that we may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And while we may not enjoy the journey of it, we can certainly enjoy the, out, the, the, the results of it and trust God for it. There's joy in testing. There's joy in the, the times that God puts us through trials and testing, the trying of our faith. Third uh, John, chapter number 1. Third John, chapter 1. And verse number 4. Third John 1, verse number 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. John was speaking here of those that he had invested in. And can I tell you this, that there is great joy in investing spiritually into the lives of others. There's great joy in that. Those that have served in ministry can understand this, that years later, sometimes decades later, there are people that will come in contact with us. There are some fellows that I can think of when I first went to work out of college, a bright-eyed youth pastor, excited. I mean, I was ready to set the world on fire. It was. I thought, I'll get my business card, put my little nameplate on my desk, and revival's coming, brother. It was going to be it. Was going to be it. I was going to have the largest youth group in the world, and it was going to happen. And we took a youth group from about 40 down to about 20 in about an 18-month period. And so we, we really were seeing great things happen there. But during that time, there was a group of fellas that really didn't like me a whole lot as a youth pastor. We, we had standards. We had some things that we put in place. And, and, and I was young, too. I, I look back at the, the, uh, the things I looked at as a young uh, youth pastor and probably didn't handle things the best way either. And that was probably part of the issue as well. But I had some fellas that did some things uh, to just make my life absolutely miserable. I had them take and rip the hood ornament off my car and key down both sides of my car and scratch into the fenders and the paint. Uh, I had them stick uh, potatoes in the mufflers of my car and rotten eggs under my seat and things like this just, just to try to be nasty and ugly. I used to think, boy, I don't know if anything, if God's ever going to be able to, I don't even know if these guys are saved <laughs> Yeah, one of those thoughts. You're like, what in the world? We uh, we kept trying. We kept we kept trying to work with them. kept kept investing in them. Several years later, been probably 15 years later, I was at a Bible conference, and a young man walked up to me. I was talking with a couple fellas, and kind of stood off to the side for a moment. I could see him out of the corner of my eye, and didn't. I thought he was there to see. I wasn't. I, nobody knew me, so I didn't think he was there to see me. I thought he was there to talk to one of the other pastors there, and we got done talking. And he walked up to me. He said, uh, "You don't remember me, do you?" And I looked at him for a minute, and all of a sudden, I knew exactly who he was. 
he took, stuck his hand out, shook my hand. He said, uh, he said, Brother Greg, he said, I, I need to apologize to you. He said, for the way I was in your youth group. He said, God's gotten a hold of my life. He said, I'm serving God now. He said, uh, it has been a bother to me for many years the way that I treated you. But he said, I want you to know, he said, one of the things that kept me on the right track was that you didn't give up on me. And I'm going to tell you what, that brought an awful lot of joy. I get, there are numbers of stories. I hate to use personal examples like that, but can I tell you, any of you that have served God know of stories like that, perhaps, or similar, that you can look back on. Somebody that you look at and you say, boy, I don't know if God will ever do anything with them. You invest and you invest and you invest and you invest and you think, boy, I'm not making any progress. And then to hear what God is doing in their life. Can I tell you this? John says this in verse number 4. I have no greater joy. It's the greatest joy I have. To hear that my children walk in truth. Those that I have taken the time to invest my life in. I love it. A young man uh, tunes in almost well, several times a week usually and listens to the morning devotions that I got to coach in basketball when he was in high school. A dear friend of mine. Always, always serving the Lord today in the church. Always mentions, he says, I just thank God for the impact, the influence you had. Can I tell you this? There's great joy when you invest in others spiritually. You may not see it today, but somewhere down the road you're going to see it. We may never know till we get to heaven. You know how many times I think we're going to find people in heaven that we don't even really know? that we had some kind of an impact on in their life, and we didn't even realize it. It's a sobering thought, because it kind of helps us to think this way. If there are people that I influence that I don't even know I influence, then I better be careful how I live my life all the time. You've got to be careful of that. There's joy in God's deliverance. Let's end up back in the book of Psalms, if you will. We've got two more here. 105th Psalm, if you will. Psalm 105. Verse number 43. And he brought forth his people with joy and his chosen with gladness. God's provision, God's deliverance, God's protection, God's guidance brings great joy. And then in Psalm 16, in verse number 11, the psalmist writes this, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Can I tell you this? The time we spend with God, the time that we get alone in our quiet places and just are quiet to listen to Him, to pray, to read Scripture and let it sink into our hearts are some of the most joyful times a Christian can have. And it will charge your battery spiritually. 
There are times I, I'm not much of a shouter. There's times I've been shouting in my prayer closets. There's times I've been out in the woods spending time with the Lord. And I'm thankful nobody's around. <laughs> because it gets really good sometimes. You spend time praying. You spend time reading Scripture and meditating on the things that we know about Him. And boy, I'll tell you, I had a great time last night. I was so thankful my son was with me. We just rejoiced for probably a good hour last night. I'm going to tell you, I don't know if he got as excited about it as I did. I think he did. He seemed pretty excited about it too when we got home last night. But boy, we both laid down last night with joy in our hearts. That's a whole lot different than the joy this world gives, isn't it? Boy, there is some substance to this kind of joy. To have the joy of the Lord so much different than what this world has to give. In fact, I'll tell you this. The joy this world has to offer, even though it may look glamorous and it may look really nice, the truth is it pales in comparison. So much so that when Paul looked at all the things the world had to offer and he looked at all the things that God had, and Paul didn't have it easy in his life, in his Christian life. He suffered a lot of persecution, but even at the end of all of it, he looked back on the things this world could give him. And he said, I count them but dung. I count them but loss. That I may know Him. I want to encourage you tonight. Let's, let's seek for God's joy. His genuine joy. Doing these things that we've mentioned tonight that Scripture talks about that brings joy to our hearts and our lives. Let's wrap ourselves up in those things. And enjoy the joy that God brings to us. Father, we're thankful for Your Word tonight. We pray that You'll bless it and use it to encourage, to strengthen. Lord, in days like this, it's good to know that we can have joy. Even though there are times of trial, there certainly are things that are inconvenient for us that we're not happy with. There are things that discourage us and we look at and uh, we think, boy, I wish it was a whole lot different. But Lord, we can certainly have joy knowing this, that the world is watching. The world is looking at Christians. Oh, they may not admit it. They may not even vocalize it or talk about it much, but the truth is we are going to be an influence to them one way or the other. May we be a Christian that is steadfast in this thing of joy, that we can be a light in this world that shines out in the darkness Dismiss us with your blessings. Bless those that are listening by home and by the way of live stream. Lord, may this be an encouragement to them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You'll be dismissed. You were dismissed. And uh, just want to let you know, uh, Sunday, if you'd like to come, we'll have uh, our FM station set up outside there and uh, broadcast. And you can, if you don't want to get out of your cars, you can sit in the car and uh, stay clean. All right. All right. Thanks a lot for coming.